This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. City are off the mark in the Champions League. Julian Alvarez is bloody good at football, but is Erling Haaland a fraud? It's Wednesday the 20th of September. I am Amos Murphy. I'm Joe Ritchie. And this is the City Report Podcast. Just the two of us flying today, Joe. How are you doing? Straight off after City's win against Zvenza Zvezda. Um, listeners, that is the only time I'm going to be doing that. <laughs> so uh, you've been treated there. But no, Joe, um, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. It's good to, good to be back on the on the pod. It's been a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, a weird night. Um, lots to talk about, but a very weird night. Um <laughs> Weird is, yeah, weird is the buzzword, isn't it? Um, you, you say that, but you, you've actually come off the back of your own little Eastern European tour. I mean, anyone who follows you on social media, Instagram in particular, would have been very jealous at the photographs. It is a wonderful, amazing part of the world. And, and what was it? Bosnia? Yeah. Albania? Was uh, ba- it? And Bosnia, Croatia? Croatia and Montenegro. Montenegro, Montenegro, yep. yeah, um, some beautiful, beautiful countries. I mean, you could have stopped over off it, stopped off over in Red Star or Belgrade, <laughs> as, as the, yeah. where they were from, um, which remains to the day the maddest city I've ever been in. Absolutely mental place. Um, I would recommend anyone, even for city in a couple of months' time, to go over and visit. But um, if you are new around here, as always, please hit follow, hit subscribe. But I, I guess we'll get on with the show today because. I was going to say it's a fairly simple one, but it, it's anything but, isn't it? I, I mean, City have had some weird nights in the Champions League, but I, I was under the assumption that having won it 
last year, and I nearly said at a canter, it felt at a canter because the performance levels were so high, but it felt like City had just shaken off that voodoo of the Champions League as we've seen in previous years, you know, knockout defeats, granted this wasn't a knockout defeat, but an opening day defeat against Leon going back a few years, some weird group stage um, performances before Guardiola as well. That first 45 minutes, though, felt like the city of old, or at least the city of the last sort of six, seven, eight years. It was um, it was a bizarre, bizarre first half. Yeah, it, I, I put out uh, a tweet on the podcast account saying basically like this would be the most typical city thing to win the Champions League in undefeated fashion to then turn around and open your next campaign by potentially losing to, I think, like Serbian leagues, like 13th strongest in Europe. Like that would be peak <laughs> typical city. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially as well, we did concede a goal at home in the knockout. So Real Madrid, I mean, include the final in there as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, RB Leipzig, obviously we've got them to come as well. All caves, the Etihad who didn't score. Copenhagen didn't score. Borussia Dortmund did, but it was in the first round. I think Sevilla scored as well. So, you know, pretty imperious group stage and knockout performances last time around at home and then first shot on target not well not even on the target the first shot <laughs> first half starts 22 shots for city one for red star belgrade which they score from which one of the worst offside calls i think i've ever seen in real time i mean it was very much onside it was a great finish but um I, do you know what in, in a perverse way I actually quite liked that first half, especially, it's easy to say, obviously, City won, but it added a little bit more jeopardy that I didn't feel like we'd get before the game. And it made a little bit more interest going in at 1-0 down, thinking, oh, you know what, there's a game on in the second half. I felt very, like, Andrew Detmer-esque at halftime, where, like, just still (laughs) supremely confident, even given the circumstances. Mm. I mean, that was one of those halves that, like, to me, the only real downside was Bernardo going off injured. I thought that, yeah. you know, the Gomez-Foden connection on the left and the, you know, Nunez-Bernardo connection on the right <laughs> was was really good. I thought, you know, Alvarez-Holland, I mean, we'll talk about Holland, but, you know, there was a connection there through the middle. Like, on probably nine times out of ten, City have three, four, maybe five goals that half. Like, mm. it was objectively a good half. Obviously, the scoreline says otherwise. But, yeah, I agree with you. It added um, a bit more interest, and I think for the neutral uh, definitely something worth sticking around for rather than just a blowout in the first half. Yeah, um, and, and in our vantage point in the in the corner of the stadium next to the away fans, D and me, did they celebrate? Did they celebrate twice? Actually, it was it was impressive. They had the um, the obviously the they went in and they went mental and, and a fantastic moment where the goalkeepers celebrate in front of the crowd and, and giving it to the city fans, and then he realizes it's offside and does a head in hands, and then a moment <laughs> later, obviously gets to. Um, gets to celebrate again but yeah mental mental bastards those fans uh, that's a conversation for another day but let, let's let's start with Julian Alvarez then because he was obviously man of the match he was the guy who changed the the, uh, the game around in that second half um, he had a few chances a few shots in the first half he had seven overall throughout the game obviously finished with two goals but I think for me and it's it's still um, a, a sort of a talking point, a divisive talking point for some supporters. The most impressive thing for me was his passing stats. He, he finished the game with a 91% passing accuracy. He got 53 from 58. That's according to FootMob. Um, created a couple of chances as well. Obviously, you know, he had the shots. He's just 
slowly but surely, and mistakes will happen because he isn't this type of player and he wasn't this type of player before, but slowly but surely turning into one of the most complete forwards in European football. There is very few attackers right now who are capable of assisting, who are capable of scoring, who are capable of controlling attacks in the way that Julian Alvarez is. Yeah, I I have a question for you, Amos. Would you say Erling Holland's um, a good footballer? Hot take, I know, but pretty good, right? No, 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 uh, not 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 in pure terms of footballer. Just like, (laughs) yeah, I know what you mean. At in terms of playing football. Oh, 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 wait, have I double bluffed myself? Yeah. Just... Y- yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I've expected. Like, yes, he is a good footballer. Hint, the answer is yes. Um, he's he's basically. I see what you mean. He's a goal a game footballer, right? And everyone says he's yeah. one of, if not the best strikers in the world. Julian Alvarez, yeah. thirty goals and assists in thirty starts since joining City. Ooh. I'd say that's. Me. I'd say that's a pretty good one-two punch. Um, yeah. I'm with you in that. Like. He technically plays in what you would probably call a midfield role, but he's really more of a second striker mm. at this point than he is a midfielder. He's, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I think he's coming into that role very well. It's not, again, occupying some similar positions to Kevin De Bruyne, but he's not playing anywhere mm. near the style of Kevin De Bruyne. He's finding his own role in this team. And I think it's, to me, it's very similar to what we saw in his World Cup run with Argentina, where like, when he's on the pitch, everyone around him just benefits. Like, he's yeah. just one of those players. He can contribute with the goals. He can contribute with assists. His pressing is, I mean, it's, it's, it's to me, it's the best in the squad from by a long shot. Um, he's just this all round player that, to me, still has so much room for improvement. And, mm-hmm. you know, whisper it quietly, but I think Kev's injury might be the best thing to ever happen to him at City because it's going to give him this extended run that if Kev's fit, you know, he's probably a key substitute. He's getting rotated in, but he's not playing every game. Um, and, yeah. you know, Pep even said, I think it was after the West Ham match, that he's basically undroppable now. And I think tonight yeah. further proves that. Absolutely. Um, and, and I said at the time that De Bruyne getting injured was was bad and it remains bad, but it gives City a chance this season to wane themselves off his reliability. Because I think in the games where City played poorly um objectively also relatively speaking uh last season were the games where it felt like it was okay de bruyne you go and do something or okay erling harland you go and do something you know just make something out of nothing basically whereas um with julian alvarez he 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 can he he offers something that he's such a selfless footballer and i think that's the bit that impresses me the most is the fact that he does the work nobody else wants to do and that just brings everyone else alive a lot more um that that first goal is is i mean it's just it's just wonderful isn't it the fact that and we'll we'll get to harland in a minute but the fact that he has the the presence of mind to skip past the goalkeeper I mean, Raheem Sterling tried it a million one times and failed <laughs> a million. And I think he maybe succeeded once or twice. But, you know, it's such a difficult finish to execute. And he did it with such ease. Yeah, I, I know it's like the easy comparison that gets made all the time. And I'm guilty of it, too. But that was very Aguero-esque, Tevez-esque, where, like, yes, how many times do we yeah. see both of them just do that little skip pass yeah. and then just pass it into the net? And I, I do think more credit needs to go to Holland than it does Alvarez on Agreed. that. Um you know, we'll talk about his... Which is, is funny, isn't it? Let, let's talk about him now, actually. Um, 
you would have probably expected the roles to be reversed. You'd expected the tight, you know, center, low center of gravity Argentine to be <laughs> playing that neat little reverse pass into Haaland who skips past the keeper and right. finishes from a tight angle. Um, it was a it was a great move, but it wasn't one that you'd expect to see. No, and, and it's funny because, what was it? I think it was last season in the Premier League, um, Haaland had more assists than Martin Odegaard. Like people forget, you know, we, we, we talked. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Um, we, wow. We I think Odegaard had seven. Holland had nine, maybe. Certainly, ch- mm. check me on that. But um, it, Holland is not a f- all-round footballer, but he is capable of moments of genius. And you know, we've mm-hmm. seen it more often than not in games that he struggles from a goal output perspective. Um, and I thought tonight was the perfect example. I mean, there's a lot that we could probably unpack as far as Holland's performance tonight and truly at the weekend too goes. But mm. I think the the biggest thing I take away from it is if he was missing chances and basically he was the only, you know, the chances he was missing were the only chance we were creating. I would be concerned. Yeah. But city are creating endless chances and the numbers and you know across Holland's whole career say more often than not he will convert those chances. So mm. I'm fine with these outlier matches rather than okay Holland's not converting the two chances we make and we're only making two to three chances a game with Kev out. That's yeah. a bigger concern to me. We're seeing a more I don't want to say a more well-rounded side because that sounds like Kev's a scapegoat, but we're seeing. But I, I think I think you're correct. I think like, you're correct. There's more there's more creativity from different outlets. It's less of a reliance on one player yeah. in terms of chance creation. We're seeing Sergio Gomez who. Truly probably should have had two, maybe three assists in the first half. Foden, I remember, had a perfectly chipped ball to Hall and said that on another day he puts away. I mean, it, it's mm. coming from all over the pitch. I thought Matthias, uh, Matthias Nunez, very active in attack. Bernardo Silva, like th- there's all these different facets that we're so used to seeing Kev just take over a game and everyone kind of follow behind. It's 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 been kind of nice to see this next, I don't want to say iteration of City because obviously Kev will be back, but this next maybe development of, of Pep City. Mm. And when that does happen, when Kevin De Bruyne is brought back in the team, and I'll say now, I hope if anybody from the club is listening to this, not that you need me to give you medical advice, but <laughs> do not rush him back. I don't care if we're in a title race with Liverpool and it's a ding-dong one-point, two-point battle every week. I don't care if we can go unbeaten. I would rather, at this point in Kevin De Bruyne's career, he sat the entire season out if it meant that we had the next three years of Kevin De Bruyne fully fit instead of what we see in the last sort of two years, maybe going back sort of into COVID as well, where he gets fit, he picks up a a niggle, then he's out for another four weeks. And and obviously, this is a big injury. He's had surgery. So that's a side note. But at at the same time, you you do feel like you're looking at City and and there is is a fluidity. Um, There is a fluidity. And and the only outlier is Erling Haaland not not scoring the chances. My worry would be if he wasn't getting the chances. Because we saw last season, I mean... People may look at it now and say it was it was somewhat of a fluke, and of course there was there was luck to it. He was riding the crest of a wave, but when you're a goal scorer, that's what happens. But if he wasn't, I mean, I'm just looking at the stats now. I think he had six shots in in the game against Red Star. Um, I think maybe one of them you could put down as you know a bit of a howler. Probably should have done better. One point four one xg. If it wasn't for Mr. Glazer um, <laughs> in the Red Star net and, and the best performance by a Glazer in Manchester, <laughs> I think, ever, he would have had a hat trick, wouldn't he? I mean, like some of those saves, granted, you could ask Haaland to do more and he will go home disappointed because he's not scored four. But some of those chances were wonderful saves. And and 
it's easy to say on another day he does have a few goals. And, and again, like I said earlier, he's a goal a game striker. So yeah, he may he has one goal in the last two games. Could he have had six or seven between the two? Sure, but mm. let's not forget that there's going to be a two three game stretch where he has six seven maybe yeah. eight goals. Like yeah. like the numbers will even out. Um, but again, like you said, the biggest thing is he's getting the delivery. He's getting the service. And this is even with Kovacic out, right? He it looked like early in the mm. season he was going to be that key. You know, playing the through balls. Now we're seeing. You know, I thought Sergio Gomez tonight in his what 55 or so minutes was brilliant off the left um mm. on another night he has a do you think he got taken off too early do yeah you think that was a bit harsh I, of a substitution I, I was i was upset's not the right word because i i think i understand the substitution but i frustrated. thought frustrated frustrated yeah it just felt like yeah you know he wasn't asked to do a lot defensively which is the best version of sergio gomez is is when he's true he's he was he was a left winger right like phil was tucked in central and sergio gomez was a left winger and i think what that also shows us is you know we'll talk about injuries a little bit part two but like with jack's kind of injury status unknown for now like i don't have a problem with with gomez playing in that Mm -hmm. left wing position i thought his chance you know his creation from out wide was there a couple forced crosses here and there sure but does he create more often than not chances for you know, cutbacks for Holland for chip balls. I thought I thought he was brilliant, to be honest, off the left from an attacking standpoint. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was a bit um, a bit miffed um, when he when he came off because I think just before that he'd given a ball away, he'd, he'd maybe mm-hmm. a lazy cutback, and, and I'd say the issue with Sergio Gomez more than anything. He, he I wholeheartedly agree. I think he's he's got the quality. I, I reckon it's probably more of a a nervousness thing. There was a few times where he'd, he'd get the ball and he'd, he'd maybe, I think he slipped down in the corner one time. You, you know, just little things where you have to settle into a team and when you've not played football for so long, it, it does sort of, you know, when you get back into that rhythm. But I, I hope that isn't him done for the season because he made one mistake that nearly led to a goal. No, and I am curious what you think. Like, I did not have Sergio Gomez starting first Champions League game of the season on my bingo card. <laughs> like, do you look yeah. into that as... It's an opponent that Pep knows we're going to be, you know, in their final third more often, and he isn't attacking. We have mm. injuries, or to me, I'm looking at it as Pep's made it clear: like if if you don't cut it, you're it doesn't matter the situation. I.e., Calvin Phillips at the moment, mm. you're not going to get you're not going to get put in the side. To me, this was a, a a fairly big call. Again, I know it's it's a side that's not mm. you know the quality we'll see in the Premier League, but I thought that was a big deal for Gomez to not only have stuck around in the yeah. summer, but you know. To me, he's looked very good every time we've seen him this season. Yeah, yeah, totally. I agree. Um, and as well, that position, obviously, you've got Gvardiel, who played at the weekend. You've got Ake, who started, but as a sort of orthodox centre-back. Akanji could have played. John Stones, basically, is what I'm saying, is the only injury there. You have Rico Lewis as well, who can do a job in that side of the defence. So it's not like he was playing left wing because there were three or four injuries in right. that position. He was he was playing a position where you could have easily given minutes to other players. I, I just hope, it, I think it was Angelino played against United and Liverpool in the same week in 2019. And, and that's a different case altogether. Right, but right. it was like, it's almost like if you make one mistake in a Guardiola team, that's it. That's your your time on the pitch done. Obviously, he was with us last season. I just hope we see it a bit more because I think he, what, he created five chances against right. Red Star. Again, on another day, those get converted and we're speaking about a much different performance. Um, I guess before we go to part two, then just rounding off the other cameos Mateus Nunes I, I said it after the West Ham game when he came on I don't think you can you can ever 
Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it looks like he's he's a new signing. Basically, eighty nine passes uh, out of ninety two he attempted, so he only misplaced three passes. That's incredible. Ninety seven percent pass accuracy. And they were the pressing. Most... They were pressing him a lot too. It's not like he was just yeah. waltzing around with no one on him. Yeah, he won the most duels in the match. He got seven in that category. Um, he was also fouled the most three times. I, someone next to me asked me um, what, um, and shout out Jack, um, who sits who sits beside me, asked me what sort of player he is. And, and I said the best way at the moment I could describe him is probably a mix between Ilkay Gundogan and Bernardo Silva. That's exactly Not what of, I was going to say. Yeah, it, it, it's like it's Gundogan's composure, his ability to pick off the ball and, and just do little passes here and there. But Bernardo Silva's energy and the tenacity, he just looks a beautiful footballer. He, it's funny. So I remember when Kovacic debuted, like I had been following Kovacic since his inter days. I, I'm a massive fan of his. I was so excited by the signing. But to me, he's mm. he's. it's probably impossible to say you're the finished product when you come to a team where Pep's the manager. But he's, you know, there's not a lot about yeah. his game that really needs to change. With And there's a not, not a lot he hasn't done in football either. Right, you know, he's right. a multiple Champions League winner. Right. But with Nunez, it's, it's um, really exciting because, well, I think he's been... I thought he was brilliant, you know, uh, last night, but I also think that, you know, he looked tidy at the weekend. There's mm. still so much about his game that you can see improving. And, um, you know, for him to look this positive, again, a midfielder under Pep coming from, a, I won't say mm. a bad year at Wolves, but like he played for Wolves in 2022. Yeah. They're, they're not, a, you know, a positive side at the moment. Um, you know, it, it's a huge change. That, 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 that is a huge mm. change. Um, and I thought he was just, you know, didn't load up goals and assists or anything like that, but he didn't put a foot wrong all night. And what really stands out to me is, which again, similar to Kovacic is he's so press resistant. So you drop him in, in a high stakes yeah. game in a champions league match. I don't have worries about him being in midfield. I remember there was one moment, I think it was in the first half or early in the second half where he, he got a pass from either um, Diaz or Walker. And I'm thinking, Ooh, man, if he turns the wrong way, he gives the ball over and they're on the break to, mm. you know, three on two takes the ball, uh, you know, takes the ball, put, takes a bit of weight from the pressing player and just turns. He does this little half turn fakes left and goes right that, you know, mm. I saw him do so many times last season. And it's just this, this subtle little move that he has that creates so much space. And then he loves to carry the ball into the final third. And I just think it's this, you know, this next iteration of city between Kovacic, between, Nunes between Vardiol, all these ball carrying players, Doku for another mm. another list. It's 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 really fun to watch, and I think it's a lot different than what we've seen in the past few seasons. And um, you know, I, I don't want to set the limit too high, but I just think he has a very very high ceiling at, at City. Yeah, and he he looks like a very coachable player as well, right. which is is um, a must to be working under Guardiola in midfield. Um, a couple of points quickly, so we'll rattle through them because I'm I'm conscious of time. But were you surprised he wasn't higher on City's list of midfield targets? Obviously, Declan Rice felt like a weird one at the time, but it's Declan Rice. We know what you can do if a player like that's available. You go after him for the right price, as we know. Um, Paqueta, again, wonderful footballer. Much of the same in some capacities, although I feel like Nunes is is more dependable, deeper. But, I, you know, it, it felt like oh, it was towards the end of the window. A lot of people weren't convinced on him. A lot of people who had seen his Wolf days and thought, you know, he, he's not he's not the sort of footballer you're going you're gonna to want it in your team. I'm, I'm surprised City weren't pushing harder earlier in the window, I have to say. Um, I, I, I'm not sure I totally align with that because, you know, if you're looking at the, the alternatives, right? I mean, Jude Bellingham, 
was the hottest midfield prospect of the True. last decade, in my opinion. Um, Declan Rice, you know, is a phenomenal footballer. He can be anything at this mm. age and under Pep. I think he his ceiling's far higher than Nunez, and that's not a knock. It's just I just mm-hmm. rate him very highly. And then, you know, the likes of Eze, you know, is probably a little less rounded of a player than Nunez, so I understand why they pursued that route. Um, the Paqueta thing for me, I just think he's a little bit more of a f- not finished product in that he can't get better, but I think right now he'd have a more immediate impact if he were mm. to have signed. So I think it was one of those like there's not a huge gap between the players, um, but playing at, at West Ham's a, you know a little bit better, and then Leon before that is a little bit better than playing at Wolves yeah. um, and to a lesser extent Sporting. So I'm not totally surprised, but again, we talked about it right like. Ruben Dias wasn't the first choice and we saw how that turned out. Mm. So just because it's not the first name on, on the transfer list doesn't mean that he can't turn out to be a great signing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, finally, then before we go for the break, I, I actually, and and this is um, a bit pointless because I don't think anyone from the club's going to hear it, but <laughs> I was actually really impressed with the way Red Star played and applied themselves. I think we've seen in the Champions League, even from quote unquote better opposition, they, they come to the Etihad, they look to contain, they don't really have a go. Red Star took the first kickoff and I think they played it back as per the, the laws of the game and they were immediately looking to attack, not just lumping it forward, by the way, you know, looking for patterns of play. I Obviously, they conceded, what was it, 30-odd ch- shots on target? 37, 37 shots throughout the yeah, game. Yeah. yeah, which is a lot, don't get me wrong, and they had 24% possession, but a small praise, I don't know. Um, I was impressed. It made for a good game, I guess is what I'm saying, and, and hopefully we get more of that. Right, and I mean, with all due respect to, to Red Star, I mean, they are probably one of the three or four you know, worst teams City could have mm. drawn, just in terms of of league ranking quality. Yeah. That's not, you know, it's just that there's always going to be a best team and a worst team in the competition. Mm. Um, but that was definitely one of the more pound for pound best performances I've seen in terms of, like you said, attacking and def- yeah, you know, they conceded a lot of shots, but they didn't concede a lot of goals. And, and that has to go down to, mm. you know, a howler in net keeps that scoreline at two one. You know, if, if that doesn't happen, who knows mm. what that game turns out to be. So you have to give credit for sure. Um, you know, the whole punching of the ball as opposed to catching, it's another conversation that I'm not sure I have the patience <laughs> for. But yeah, no, they 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 did themselves well. Yeah, he was a bit of a, a, a crazy fella, the goalkeeper. Fair play. I mean, he had a great game. But um, yeah, um, fun, fun match. Fun match, it has to be said. Um, okay, that'll do for part one. Join us in a moment as we speak about the state of City Squad right now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful Wednesday or whenever you're listening to this show from. Um, if you can, follow, subscribe as always. Ratings and reviews are much appreciated. Um, okay, some comments, some Pep Guardiola comments. And I know the guys on yesterday's preview show did a good job uh, um, reviewing them from the earlier press conferences. But this is this is from after the game. John Stones will be out longer. Jack Grealish will return in seven to ten days, while Matteo Kovacic could return for City on the weekend, says Pep Guardiola. He finishes it off by saying, we are in trouble. <laughs> um, we have five really important players injured. We can't have 55 players. No, that's correct. <laughs> it is what it is. I'm not going to say we have a lot of injuries with the players we have. We will go for it. Um, next, we have Nottingham Forest. Two times European Cup winners. They have won more than us. A lot of true statements from Guardiola there, but I think that's probably where you stop the book. Um, are you peeved off with the state of City squad right now, or is it completely coincidental that a few big players, Bernardo Silva, the latest one obviously going off in the first half, have picked up injuries at the same time? That's just what happens when you are a professional football club. It is it is what happens when you're a professional football club, mm. but, and, and I'm trying to like choose my words carefully because I don't want to sound spoiled <laughs> or like anti the board or anything mm. like that, but you know, on face value, City just played their longest season in club history last year. Mm. Um, you sold a lot of players. You sold a lot of fringe academy players or loaned out. You've seen the games pile up, you're, uh, you know, international competitions. It always felt a little naive to go into the season mm. with the squad at the size that they had. Did they have a lot of injuries last season? No, but to bank on that again, to me, is just... Again, I think naive is the word I'd probably look for. I, mm. I understand that, you know, Pep wants a smaller squad. I don't. I don't want to be a Chelsea with a thirty-man squad. That that does no one any good. But for it to be as small as it is, you know, Kev, for as much as we love him, injury prone. I feel like it doesn't mm. get talked about enough. Jack Grealish, injury prone. John Stones. You know, the City medical staff's great, but you're dealing with players who play a lot of matches throughout a season for club and country and pick up injuries. And, you know, we've seen some of these, these match day squads and, and, you know, not filling the bench and adding two keepers. Like it's too early in the season for that to be the case, because now mm. you're loading up games on 12 to 13 players that come winter second half of the season. Now they're going to feel the burnout. Right. So it, it has this trickle down effect um, that, that certainly yeah. is worrying. Trickle down peponomics. Is that what we're working with? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the podcast title. Throw it in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. I, I mean, I said it. I, I, I guess we caveat it by saying all the time, who are we to criticize Pep Guardiola right. and, and how they, they work? You know, I said last season we had a, a small squad and it could come back to bite us. And I maintain actually that City got lucky in the sense they didn't have. I just didn't want to speak it into existence last season, but I 100% agree. Exactly. Like, imagine Rodri goes down in April with a a six-week injury. What is it? Bernardo Silva and Gundogan playing the double pivot or Calvin Phillips being trusted. And, you know, that's how 
trebles are won. You 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 have the rubber green, you know, in 2019, 20, we had horrific injuries. Liverpool won the title at Cancer. Um, the season prior, I think it was the COVID one, Liverpool had horrific injuries. They just about finished in the top four. You know, that's how football works. There's, there's swings and roundabouts. But I do feel like there is there hasn't been enough mitigation against it this year. And on deadline day, when Cole Palmer was sold, when James McAtee was allowed to leave the club, granted, reports say that he was going to stay at the club and then he he begged to leave. But I, even still, like what what does that say about a prospect, a, a young prospect who, going back two years ago, I remember City fought hard to get into tie down to a new contract when it looked like Arsenal, I think United, you know, the, the top clubs were sniffing around him. What does it say about the prospects and the game time? I don't know. I, sometimes, and I saw it in the game against Red Star actually, making those subs a little bit too late, waiting that extra minute to bring Calvin Phillips on. I just feel like it might it might derail things. Um, but again, who are we to complain? You know, that's what he wants. It, it, it's Again, it's what he wants, but Pep isn't the be all end all. And I, I think that, you know, McAtee, mm. so like the Palmer one, you know, obviously you and I are massive fans of, of Palmer's and, yeah. and weren't happy about the move. But to me, that's, that's a separate conversation, right? Because you're talking mm. serious money. The player wants the move. You got his valuation. It, it, it is what it is, but the McAtee deal bothers me oddly more in that a season on loan at Sheffield in the bottom part of the table yeah is not going to is not going to help you make mm-hmm. the city squad more than sticking around and I mean you're looking at a situation now where does he play at Forest at the weekend definitely plays against Newcastle in the cup what about Wolves after mm-hmm. that you get on a run of games I mean there's a real role for for a player of his versatility in this squad and it's mm-hmm. you know it's great that you know a player you know feels the confidence that he can get minutes and and push on but if you're City, like you said, you tied him down to a contract. You don't have to let him leave. Yeah, yeah. So that that I know that to me is just where it's 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 those one or two little you know positions that that bother me. It's not a oh City need to sign four more fifty million pound players. It's not that. It's just th- they were always playing a risky game, and and now you're seeing a situation where you have five six key players out. Even if it's a couple weeks, what if that's what if that's at the end of the season? Like you said, it, it, it mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna be one to watch. Especially, and I think this this part of the season is underrated in a sense, especially if you go through the uh, League Cup, you've got a couple rounds before this side of Christmas. You know, everyone speaks about the the running and yes, it's important because you mainly play in the same starting 11 because you can't afford to drop points. But this is where the injuries are picked up. This is where we're seeing at the moment and touch wood City haven't suffered one, but we're seeing the ACL injuries picked up. We're seeing the, the two to three to four to eight monthers, you know, Rico Henry, the latest one, mm-hmm. um, God bless him. He went down. He's a fantastic young player, you know, could have been in contention to go to the European championships next season or next summer. Sorry. And, and you know, he's, he's picked up a big injury. It, it, it's easy to say now when it's happening and it's easy to not say it next last season, but th- there is a little bit to me. I mean, the, the McAtee one's nonsensical. I, I still think the Palmer one is nonsensical. Yes. The valuation was met, but the city need, cash that much I, I don't know maybe they do but maybe this F- I, ffp stuff is i don't think it's about that right if 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 we're going to respect city for the decisions that we they make you know as far as good business goes mm. we need to respect that you know their policy is you you bring a valuation i mean it stinks and especially in hindsight it stinks but 45 million for a player who made two premier league starts i mean 
it it, mm-hmm. it it's hard to say no, right? Do they t- technically need the money? Maybe not. But if he's pushing mm-hmm. for the move, he's going to be getting far more minutes there, whether we like it or not, because they're a dumpster fire. Um, you know, that one kind of is what it is. I think to kind of bring it back full circle, though, and hopefully end on a touch of optimism is yeah. if there's ever a time to have, you know, obviously the Kev injuries long term, we don't know about Stones, but the seven to 10 day injuries like a Bernardo, Grealish, Kovacic, et cetera. Mm you know, force at the weekend at the end of the day, big picture, it's a winnable game, right? They're a bottom half of the mm-hmm. table team. They're, they're in good form and they're not to be looked past, but they're, that's a game that city should be winning. Newcastle in the cup. It's, it's not a great draw. Let's, let's call a spade a spade, but it's the lowest competition, you know, in the club's priority. Mm-hmm. And then you have wolves, right? To me, if you can get those players bar Kev back by then, you know, then you're looking at a serious run of, you know, Leipzig, Arsenal, Brighton, you know, young boys that, in the Champions the League. You know, you, They're the ones. Right. That's what you need to get them back for. And if it, if it truly is these kind of seven to 10 day injuries, don't don't force it. Get them back. Get them back for the big games and uh-huh. trust that, um, you know, your Nunez's, your Doku's, your new signings hit the ground running like we've seen and hopefully can keep us moving along. The irony is Cole Palmer starts on Saturday um, <laughs> if he's still in the squad. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's even it's even weirder with the fact that Doku has, has started so well on the left hand side, having originally sort of you know the word was that Doku signing meant that Palmer wanted to leave because his minutes were going to be um, limited. But uh, Jeremy Doku, Julian Alvarez, Cole Palmer is is a wonderful rotated front three. Um, I, I don't know. Um, it, it's all it's all sort of. Up in the ether, we're not going to know about it. It's happened, and we've got to be happy. And we are happy. City won three one in the Champions League on the first game as defending champions. But oh, one or two more players, man. One or two more <laughs> players. Um, anyway, that was enough of us moaning. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit follow, hit subscribe, Mister Joe Ricci. Thank you very much. Thank you, Amos. And listeners, thank you very much. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 